Every single day I feel Artlist I.O. Every single day I feel the pleasure Double out the work, let's make it extra Working so my mother get a rest, yo Working like I never know I'm best, yo Every single day I feel the pressure Welcome back. Welcome back to That One Studio. It's your boy C-Rock here on the What Are You Made Of show. All decked out in That One gear, which you can get at that, the number one merch.com. That one merch.com. Go check it out. Uh, I love wearing this hoodie. It's so comfortable. And I, you know, I'm very picky with my hoodies and uh, it's a little chilly in my studio today. So, uh, but anyway, welcome to the show. Appreciate you coming back. Appreciate all your support. And we have Lisa Smith in the building today, guys. Lisa Smith is 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 on a journey right now. We're going to find out. I just was talking to her in the green room. I'm excited about the hearing about this transition and we can learn a lot from other people's journeys and transitions. And that's why we have this show. It's all about the ingredients that have gone into making the guests who they are so that you can relate to it in your life. Lisa is a functional medicine nutrition practitioner who applies a whole person approach to wellness. She's a registered dietitian with master's degrees in nutrition and human biology and working through her own Hashimoto's diagnosis, and that's the first time I've ever read that word. I apologize if I messed that up. She has found that an integrative functional medicine approach is the key to optimal health. She's also the podcast host of the podcast called Pretty Well. Lisa, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mike. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Let's do this. Let's do this. We uh we start the show the same way every time, and we're gonna get into Hashimoto in a second because I didn't I don't know what that is. But before we do that, Lisa, let me ask you, what are you made of? You know, Mike, I gave that a lot of thought. That is an intimidating question, I got to tell you, because where do you start with that, right? So I'm just going to start with something that happened before I came on the podcast today. I have two Labradors, beautiful yellow labs. One is eight years old. He's, he's the love of my life. And we just got a new little baby at Thanksgiving. Her name's Phoebe. So Oakley and Phoebe can't walk them together because Phoebe's a wild child. So I was walking Phoebes and uh, this dog came running up, came off the leash, came running up and like started to try to sniff her and play with her. And these, um, then the couple came up who, who owned the dog and the dog's trying to bark at Phoebes and he's going, he, like he could not bark. And I asked them like, is your dog okay? And the wife kind of copped a tune and she was like, yeah, we had him debarked. And I was like, you, you wait, you what? what? You had him debarked? She's like, yeah, he was driving us crazy. He was barking all the time. There's a procedure. You can have him debarked. It's not, it's not cruel. And I'm like, oh yeah, actually it is. And I was like, I don't want to get into it. I got a podcast to get to. Uh, but I looked at the husband real quickly and I was like, you're okay with this? And he said, I didn't have an opinion. <laughs> I was, I was, you sucked me into that one. You sucked me into that one. I got sucked into it. I stole that. I stole that from a speaker named Eric Edmeads because wow. it sucked me in. But unlike that <laughs> husband, I have lots of opinions. I, uh, you know, when I, when I thought about what am I actually made of, I'm made of resilience and grit, humor and compassion. And those things are born out of a struggle and hardship and pain, but also my hope and joy. Um, my background is I'm a Marine veteran. I am not the poster child for a Marine veteran. And, you know, in high school, I was all through school. I was a dancer ever since I was five through till I hit college and a cheerleader 
and then, you know, joined the Marines to help pay for college. So, you know, there's, there's just a lot to that story. I was really thinking today, you know, what I, what I tell my kids sometimes is I feel like my, my life motto is from the Grateful Dead trucking, like what a long, strange trip it's been. And there's so much more ahead that I'm excited about, but that gives you a little bit about what I'm made of. Awesome. No, I love it. I love it. All right. So we got to get into the story. Okay. So um, you, you touched on a few things there, grit, passion, and, but, but, but here's the thing. Everybody's got a story. Yeah. Right. Let, let, let's hear your story, Lisa. What's your story? What's my story? All right. Well, you've already said I'm a functional medicine practitioner. I'm a dietitian, coach, like speaker, podcaster, all that stuff. Yeah. But take us back. Take okay. us back a ways. Like, yeah. Like not that you're that old, but like, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago. I'm going to tell you where it started. Where it started was my granddad was a surgeon. He was a cancer surgeon. And we didn't live in the same town. We went there every Thanksgiving, Mike, and every Easter. And every one of those holidays, we would get there a couple of days ahead. A patient would come in the door with the turkey for the Thanksgiving, with the ham for the Easter meal. And they would turn to us. We were little. I was in elementary school. This is my first memory of this. And they would say, your grandfather saved my life. Your grandfather saved my wife's life. Wife's life. We're forever indebted to him. And they would leave. And he would say, I would so much rather help people prevent this horrible disease than try to cure them after. And I remember being really little and saying, you can do that. And I asked him, you can do that. And he said, you can prevent a lot of cancer. Maybe he didn't say all of it, but a lot of it. And that's what lodged in my psyche and my soul as a little kid. I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to help people get better. I'm going to help people prevent this horrible diseases and I'm going to help them get better. And so that's kind of where it started. Now, I did not, it was not a direct line from A to Z. I took a really windy path to get there, but eventually I got there and now that's what I've been doing for the past six to eight years. Gotcha. And then, so when you're doing this, well, you know what? I, I got that now. We're going to get to get back into that, but let's go back to the Marines for a second. Talk to me about your, your Marine days and thank you for your service. First of all, yeah, thank um, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, what made you, you said something to pay for college, but like what you, there's a lot of different ways you can do, you know, make money. Why did you choose so, the Marines? Yeah. So, you know, I, when I was in high school, I did talk with someone who had joined the Marines and she was all gung ho. And I was like, Hmm, I'm pretty driven. I'm a pretty driven person. I was like, maybe I could do that. And then I went to college. I'm a Penn Stater. I went to Penn State and I knew like my dad did pay tuition, but I had to pay room, board, books, you know, all the other things. And back in the day, tuition was so much more doable, but you know, every, you can't make that. So you have to make that money. So I, I thought, you know, after like freshman year was winding down and I was like, how am I going to do this for the next three years? And I really wanted to move to the beach because that's where I've always wanted to live. And I was like, well, I'm not going to save any money being a bartender at the beach. So what beach? I, I didn't even care then, Mike. Now I would be a lot more picky because <laughs> now I know yeah, yeah. it's like, I just want to get to the beach somewhere on the East coast, the Jersey shores, the love of my life. I love the Jersey shore just somewhere. Um, but I was like, no, I got to go somewhere that they're going to pay my room and board. And so I started thinking it through um, and 
very patriotic. So I was like, I'm going to join the, I'm going to join the military. My brother was in the army reserves. So I was like, nah, people are going to look at me and say, if I joined the army, I couldn't have made the Marines. I'm going to join the Marines. And that's how that went. So and, I did. And First of all, I'm in Ocean City, Maryland, by the way. So I, 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 uh, I would hope that you would have picked Ocean City, Maryland, but Jersey Shore is cool too. I like that too. But I um, love Ocean City, Maryland too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so the Marines, tell me about boot camp, what that was like. Was it what you expected? Was it harder? Paris uh, Island was hard. Yeah, so Paris. So um, you know what? My upbringing was hard. It was, it was pretty tough. Uh, not from the outside. On the outside, it looked really great to to everyone, but it, it was hard. So I thought I can do boot camp. So I I went to boot camp, and boot camp was a different kind of hard. You know, of course, Paris Island. Their whole goal in boot camp is to break you down and build. I was enlisted, right? So I wasn't an officer's training school. So their whole goal is to break you down and build you back up differently, in a way that makes you a really good soldier. So. The hardest parts, I'm really independent. The hardest parts were literally asking for permission for everything. Yes, it was hard physically, but they build you up. You can, you, you can, it's hard. It's definitely hard, but you can do it. But mentally to stay stronger and to stay a step ahead, for me, that was always like, I'm staying a step ahead. I'm going to pretend like I'm, I'm falling in step, but I'm staying a, a step ahead of you guys. So that was the hard part. You literally had to ask permission to take a drink of water from the canteen that's on your war belt on your body. You can't just pick it up and take a drink. So that's kind of, that for me was very mentally challenging. And then how long did it take you to get assimilated, assimilated into the process, the boot camp, for example, and then... Yeah, that's a good question. It's that boot camp was nine weeks and your biggest fear was that they would recycle you. And what that meant was something you were doing wasn't measuring up and you would go backward and your nine weeks could be 12 weeks or longer. So my whole goal was do not get recycled. You're getting the hell out of here. You're getting in, you're getting out, you're going back to Penn State. So to get acclimated, I think you quickly learn the drill of what do I need to do to succeed in this thing? And then you do it, but I never liked it. And, and it's different. So at the end, men and women were segregated at that point on Paris Island. They probably still are. I don't know. But uh, we met guys at the very, very end at graduation. And then we would debrief each other. And the guys, they became friends with their drill instructors at the end. There was a real respect there. But, you know, women can be a different kind of mean and we weren't friends at the end. I just yeah. thought they were nasty. And I just was like, I'll do what I got to do. But when I'm done, I'm done. So, I mean, not with the Marines, but with that experience. Yeah. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then after boot camp, then, then you were in for what, four years? They required you to be in for four years? Six. Six years. Six then. Yeah, it was a They're long. They're like senators. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was. It, it went fast, but if you know, it was one of those things that felt long but went fast. You know. And and while you're in for six years, you're that's your full time job. Like you're there yeah. working. It was not. So I was what was called an 84 day reservist, and what that's what they designed for college kids. So okay. you go to boot camp, and it's real boot camp. You know, they don't separate you. You're, y'all go to the same boot camp. So you do that the first summer, you go back to college, and then the second summer, you go to your schooling. And after schooling, then you do the one weekend a month, the two weeks in the summer. And that was all well and good, but then Desert Storm hit, and uh, I got activated and put my life on hold and went to Desert Storm. Wow. And then were you infantry? 
We were military police. Okay. So we MPs. MPs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. So what we did, this is pretty cool. We were actually making the, the, where the POWs would come, the camp where the POWs would come, which was in front of the front lines. It was kind of crazy. Have you ever seen MASH? The show MASH? Yeah. Way yeah. back when yeah. with Helen Alday. Like think about oh, yeah. just tents, big tents, you know, it, yep. it looked just like that setup, but it, on the sand, you could see nothing. There was nothing for hours, but sand. That's all. Just sand and tents is all you could wow. see. Wow. And, yep. and what's a, and did you have any good stories or any scary moments or any good stories from those times? Yeah, I'll tell you. Um, I don't, I don't know about you. I don't feel vulnerable a lot in life, but when they dropped us off, it was it. So we, we got to a kind of like a warehouse when we first got to Saudi Arabia and stayed there overnight. And then we took buses up North for two hours into the sand where there was only sand. And I got to tell you about the buses. The buses actually had a line painted. If you can picture this, about two thirds of the way back, they were painted a different color, the the last third of the bus. And it said women, (laughs) women in the back, which was so annoying. So I didn't sit in the back because I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. That was a salty thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. It was crazy. But when they dropped us off in the sand, and they drove away and it's just you and your unit. So there were 186 of us, five of us were women and the rest were men. We were all, we were like, like we were like family because we drilled together for years. But when, when the buses drove away, Mike, I have never in my life felt more vulnerable ever because there's nothing around to protect you. You're literally only in the sand and that's it. And I kept thinking, if there's an airstrike, we are done. Like, Fortunately, mm-hmm. there wasn't, but yeah, yeah, that was crazy. Wow. Wow. Very, man. very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And then, and then did you have it like, while you were in the camp, did you ever have any incidents, like any attacks or anything like that? And then interactions with the Iraqi or the, well, you know, uh, my unit had a lot of stories. I was there very, a very short time. My mom had a brain aneurysm. So my mom was only 52, super young school teacher, great health. Um, but while I was over there, she had a brain aneurysm. And I will tell you an interesting story. Um, I'm a believer. And so that got, I saw God's hand show up in the most miraculous way. I am not a big crier. And, and one day while we were in our tent, I just started crying and I cried all day. And I kept thinking about my mom. My mom is the sweetest person you've ever met. And I kept thinking, my mom is sick. Like she's sitting by the phone waiting for me to call and I can't. And I, she's, she's, there's something really wrong. She's sick. And, and my gunny sergeant said, my maiden name was flood flood. What's the matter with you? And I said, I don't know. I think there's something wrong with my mom. I just feel like, I don't know, like I cannot get my act together. And she's like, we'll get you and anyone else to a phone who wants to go tomorrow morning. And she literally yelled, Hey, anyone who wants to go call home tomorrow, we're getting a bus two hours down and we're calling home. And so I got to the bus. My mom was a teacher. It was a little before eight. So I knew she wouldn't be at school yet. She always ran late and I called her number and there was no answer. And she's newly remarried. I called her husband's number um, and he didn't answer. And so I called my dad and I knew I was waking him up and that wasn't going to be pleasant. I was like, Hey dad, I woke him up. I was like, where's um, where's Ma? I can't like get a hold of her. I'm not getting back to a phone. I don't know when. Can you please tell her I'm okay? 
And I didn't even get that sentence finished. And he said, Lisa, didn't the Red Cross find you? And I was like, what are you talking about? And then he told me my mom had a massive aneurysm. She lived. Um, he didn't know, though, at the time they life flighted her to Hershey Medical and he didn't they didn't know. And it was a very long uh, 24 hours. It was right before we went in and airstruck. It was right before January 16th. Um, somehow I got home. That's a whole other story. So I don't yeah, want to yeah. bore you and your listeners, but no, somebody that's... kept telling me I wouldn't get home. And I, somehow I got home and uh, I got to see my mom. Uh, she mm -hmm. has been incapacitated from that, you know, long story short, but um, yeah, that's so yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't there long enough to see much in terms of action, but my friends who were in my unit said that they yeah. were crazy, crazy stories. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, again, thank you for your service and you never know what you're going to be involved with when you go. It's just, you're, you're signing up and, and, and willing to sacrifice, you know, exactly. that's, that's what matters. So, yeah. um, all right. And then, then when you came home eventually and you're doing what you're doing now, right. And you got into it, what services did you offer? Do you offer in what you do now? And then also the question is based on what, you know, what we talked about in the green room, your pivot right now, or your re, re, yeah. uh, reimagining talk, tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. So, so really exciting stuff going on. So I've been, I have, I started a company called Integrative Wellness Center six years ago, and then I've been coaching, being a health and wellness coach longer than that. But six years ago, this was my vision. So when my kids were babies, I went back to school. I did other careers. I was in sales for a long time. You mentioned earlier, you were in banking when we were talking off the air earlier. I too was in banking. I was in pharmaceutical sales. But when I had babies, I got to, I got to reconnect with that passion. Remember I talked about my grandfather. I was like, what do I really want to do? So I went back to grad school and got some master's degrees in nutrition and human biology to put it all together. And I was like, I'm going to open a private practice and I'm going to help people. So that's what I did. I opened integrative wellness center. I'm sitting here right now. It's an amazing place, um, place of healing. And I help people with all kinds of health problems. So it could be digestive disorders like Crohn's, IBS, ulcerative colitis. I help people with food sensitivities, autoimmunity. I help people with uh, what else? Those are those are some of the big ones. You so know, they come to you. They products. come to you. They come to you with a problem, or they're referred to you by their doctor or what have you. You have built relationships for f people to refer to you. And and then from there you put people on a program. Is that what you do? And yeah. like give them, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So people, so typically they come to me after they've seen a number of doctors and they're not getting better. They've tried medication and they've tried other other recommendations and procedures, and they they come pretty desperate and they come feeling marginalized. And they say, "I've been everywhere. I've tried everything. I'm not getting better. Chronic fatigue, hormonal imbalances, all this stuff." Um, so what I do is I I personalize a program or a protocol for them, Mike, that is broken down into three sections. What do you need to do nutritionally to heal? What do you need to do uh, from a supplement standpoint? What are you missing? And then from a lifestyle standpoint, what's missing? And I put that together for them after a huge intake, health history and medical history, and then meet with them and put together what they need to feel their best ever. And are you getting people off of pharmaceuticals? That's my question. What a good question. So I'm really careful with that. And this that's why it's called Integrative Wellness Center. So we live in the 
best country in the world at the best time in the world. And if I have a sinus infection or my kids do or a broken arm, I'm not looking at herbs. I'm going straight to what kind of medication is going to help me get better fast, right? If yeah, it's a yeah. thing, if it's a chronic condition, then acute care doesn't work as well. So that's where I, what I do really shines. And I never tell people my goal is to get you off your medications, although people have gotten off their medication, but I do that with their doctor because it's, that's not my wheelhouse. I can't say, Oh, come off of your, of course. Yeah. You know, yeah. This or that, but, but so, you've seen it, you've seen it happen with proper nutrition. I yeah. have. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. See, this is, yeah. this is the problem I have. Okay. There's a conflict of interest big time with, with big pharma conflict. Like it's so obvious to me, there's such a big conflict. And then there's also a thing now, by the way, I'm a little bit of, uh, you know, jaded with this because my grandmother was overprescribed medication for uh, depression, anxiety, and all that, and overdosed. Right, oh. and 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 so I I see a conflict of interest. Number one, number two, I see doctors a lot of times, not all doctors. Okay, for the record, they'll they'll just go to the, what's the easiest route, right? Yeah. Easiest route is not nutrition, because right. people have to work to that. They have to be disciplined. Right. And then they just jumped right to the, to the drugs. And I just, it just bothers me. And uh, mm -hmm. there's no stopping it right now because of the, the conflict of interest and the, and the, the money that's involved. So that's what, you know, anyway, that's why I asked that question. You put that big pharma together with the big, with big agriculture, the food industry, and you put that together with all the powers that be. And absolutely the sick are getting sicker and you have to you have to, I, I say all the time, you have to shop defensively. You have to think defensively. You have to, you know, my dad has a great saying. It's no matter who you hire, whether it's a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, it doesn't matter who the professional is. Never leave your common sense at home. And that's what we, we have to be really, we have to, we have to think defensively about all of these different aspects of life because they're not, it's not the food I grew up with. It's not. Right. Right. Not what people are like, oh, are we just diagnosing more gluten sensitivity now? No, it's not the same gluten. It's not the same food. This yeah. food is poison. You have to be really aware. You know? And you know what I noticed too, talking about this topic, is yeah. that I was just in Washington, D.C. over the weekend. I took the family there and, and I was in Miami two weeks ago. And when I'm in those places, it's so much easier to eat healthier and fresher and organic. But when I, Ocean City, for example, especially this time of year when it's not the resort time, mm -hmm. it's, it's very difficult to find foods that are healthy and organic. And, and so the people that don't live in the big cities, uh, it, it just seems like, uh, what, what's the best approach for them to do? Yeah, that's really difficult. Like when you, I, you know, I think about that because there are so many places that they, there's just not a great organic selection. There's just not a good selection. So that's really tough. So during the summer, it's not that tough because there are farmers markets, but this time of year, Mike, it's hard. So you, you go to your store and you see, you know, what do you have that's organic and you buy that what's available in season, right? I don't, it's, it's really a challenge. Not everywhere has a Trader Joe's or a Whole Foods or even a, you know, I'm not even saying you need those. You just need a grocery store that will sell things that are better options. So I think if I, we do live in a town where our grocery, we live in a college town. So our grocery store has some pretty good selection, but I would, I would go to my grocery store manager and say, can you start carrying some of these things? Now, the good news is places like Walmart, they have started carrying more organic food. So yeah, yeah. that's great. You know, so I go and find out what's available and stick with that. 
Gotcha. All right. So what was the pivot that you were talking about before the show? Yeah. Tell us what's going on. Yeah. So, you know, in all the, the different roles we've talked about, you know, my favorite is being mom and wife. And I have a kid who's 20 in college and a kid who's 18 and is just going to graduate here in the next few months and head to college. And so when I started this business, I actually thought I would start something I'm, a, I'm passionate about. So when my kids leave, which is really hard, um, I'll do something I'm passionate about. But it started so much earlier. It came together so much sooner. So I put in an exit strategy that when they are both gone, because they've both said, I'm in Pennsylvania. We're not coming back to Pennsylvania. We're going south. We're, we're done. So <laughs> my husband and I started saying, wait a minute you go south and we don't have any family here, we're going south. So I put an exit strategy together and I just sold the business I'm sitting in right now. Just last week, it became- Oh, congratulations. Thank you to a functional medicine MD. She's a medical doctor. Awesome. Brilliant. And she's stepping right in and going to take over. So now I'm looking at what am I transitioning to? I'm a podcaster. As you said, I have pretty well. I love podcasting. But now I'm looking at, wow, what are my, it's, it's a blank slate. I have some ideas rattling around up there. I definitely, I'm an, I'm an entrepreneurial spirit anyway, but I just haven't nailed it down yet. Gotcha. So that's what it is. Okay. Congratulations. First of all, Thanks. second of all, if, if I could snap my fingers yeah. and make it happen, like I was a genie, okay. I popped yeah. out of a bottle. What would you be doing the rest of your life? Well, I've been thinking about that. And I've been narrowing it down. If I, you know, if you, if you're the genie and you snapped your fingers, one of the things I would do is I, I care about impact and I care about helping as many people as possible. So what I think I'm leaning toward Mike is to teach others who are as passionate about this field as I am, how to open their own functional medicine practices. I did it. I did it really well. I know how to do it. So I'm that I'm looking at transitioning more out of from a you know a practitioner to a owner operator client, to a consultant yeah, to a B two B yeah where I'm okay I'm, yeah I like that yeah so you have IP it's it's your your intellectual property so you have that you package it up yeah right and then yeah. and then get it out to the masses that that are interested in this and they want to go to somebody to move up you know speed up the process skip some of the mistakes yeah that's valuable yeah. Yep. And here's the second, here's the second prong of that. The other prong I really am pretty excited about pursuing or looking into pursuing is, is taking what I do and then refining it for uh, business owners, entrepreneurs, executives, CEOs, because we're the people who end up working those 70 to 100 hour weeks I've been there for a long time. I, I was there and we don't take care of ourselves. So if I can teach these people who then have an impact on their organizations, how to become their healthiest selves, then they could roll that down into a program where the rest of their, if they're, if they're that progressive, where they could roll that down into their company and then that could help all their employees and their employees' families as well. So that's what I'm looking yeah. at. Two things. Well, I got to tell you. So I used to be in that mortgage business, right? And I used to have the other businesses that I had. And I was working those hours. Yeah. Then I started to realize, wait a minute. It's not how many hours you put in. It's not how hard you work. That's all That's all facade. Like that. people that have been preaching that, really it's about getting in an alignment and then figuring out how to replicate yourself and create in time. 
And so I've become an expert at this. I'm a performance addict, individual and company and, and, and groups. And what we found is, is if you get into this alignment, this, this, they call it flow state, right? And then you create systems and processes to be able to document how you've done things. And then, so you can replicate yourself Mm -hmm. and then you buy time from people and you lever. And then before you know it, like, I gotta be honest, I'm in a startup right now. This company's only two years old, that one, right? But I feel like I've been doing it for a long time because I gotten so good at systematizing with my team and delegating that now it's like. I feel like I should be doing something else, but I don't want to because it'll take focus away. So yeah. I agree with you. And, and I go to the gym in the morning. Mo- morning's my time. Before 10 o'clock, it's my time. I got to take care of this, this temple. You do. You know? And yeah. so I'm, I'm in full alignment with what you're talking about. And I, yeah. I, I encourage my team to be that way too. Yeah. So I'd like to download that, how you've learned that and put that into my brain. That is definitely not where I am at this point. I know what I've done and I know what works, but I have not become as efficient. Well, you know what? We're going to talk after this because I want to show you a couple of things that I've like we're currently doing and it might like just blow your mind and open awesome. it up for the, what you're doing. I, 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 I love the idea. I, I mean, for what you're doing, for sure, because owner operators, one thing, but getting out and consulting others to do their best. It has yeah. an exponential effect, right? That's what I'm looking for. Exponential impact. You got it. Yeah. What about yeah. speaking? Do you see yourself being a speaker and like live events and speaking on stage and I've done some speaking. Uh, I like it a lot. Uh, but I guess right now, as I've looked through it, I've, I've been like, okay, I just got to get clarity. And when you do speaking, maybe you have some good systems for this too. I find that I want it to be so good and so engaging and impactful that I spend so much time beforehand that, you know, that it feels like then it takes away from the other things I'm doing. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, for everybody listening, we'll do this right now real quick because we're going to wrap up here. But I can just tell you this. First of all, you're a great guest. You have great storytelling yeah. abilities. Yeah. That's what it's all about. It's about being authentic and genuine and being, being able to share these stories that the audience can now relate to. And then they open up to you to whatever like expertise you have. Now, if you don't tell stories and you don't connect with the audience and you tell your expertise, they could care less. Right, right. But it's it's all about that. And so one thing that I've done, Lisa, and for the audience listening, guys, when I go on podcasts as a guest, it allows me to refine my messaging, better my storytelling, and be more engaging and work on that. So when I've been on over 900 podcasts in the last four years, it's because I wanted to put those reps in so that when I go, if I, if I had a, like, let's say you made a phone call to me, Lisa, today, and you're like, hey, I got a stage, 10,000 people freaking speaker backed out c-rock and i need somebody to come in and light this audience up i'd say where where do i gotta go what are we talking about and i'd be able to go and i wouldn't be nervous because of those reps yeah and 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 so yeah you you're a great storyteller so like all you would have to do is really say okay i want to cover these three points and then have a framework that you can go to at any time in case you get thrown off you just revert back to your framework it's so Uh easy once you figure that out that's so helpful because i that's you know, before you do do all the reps, because I've done some speaking, as I said, but I reinvent the wheel or I take it and I repurpose it, but I feel like I still have to reinvent it. And it's a lot of time investment. And so I can see where if you got that systematized, where you can just, you can just yeah. rinse and repeat, right? And then just tweak it a little bit, tell some fresh stories then. Are you uh, using AI at all? Just a little bit. Just okay. Little so bit. like, Enough this is how cool. This is how cool AI is. I could say, look, I got to talk today. Here's the three things I want to cover. Give me an outline or bullet points and a framework to use. Boom. And then like five minutes later, it'll, like, I'll, I'll be done because I'll, re- I'll get it. I'll refine a little bit and I'm done. And then yes. I just, it's, it's stuff that I already know. So I just need to know it's that order. 
and you're rolling. And, and you know what the thing is? I like to have conversations when I'm on stage keynote, even I don't like to be up there sitting on a, like they're, they're putting me on a pedestal. I want to tell the audience, look, guys, I'm here for you. I'm not here for me. Okay. I, I can, I can sit here and be polished as I want to be, but I want to connect with you all. Mm-hmm. And matter of fact, Lisa, Lisa, something that I've done too. I'm just, this is exciting me now because I want to pour into you. Uh, so, and this is, even if it's a podcast, but thanks. one thing I did one time when I was in front of a couple hundred people, I told the audience, listen, I can't connect with all of you today because we don't have time. Right. But what I want to do is I do want to connect with all of you. And I knew the audience, right? I knew it was people I wanted to connect with. And I gave them a link and a QR code and I put it on a screen and or a text number they could text. And it was my 15 minute calendar. And then I was able to have the people that really wanted to connect with me, get hit the 15 minute calendar. It was automated. Everything was done. All I do is show up to it when it, when it's time, I blocked a certain amount of time per day that I would you know, devote to that. Yeah. And people were setting calls up and I met some of the most amazing people. Nobody does that. Everybody's trying to sell people. Yeah. That is so cool. Did you get a lot of, did you get a lot of people connecting then? Yeah. So we had 70% of the people. What? (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was pretty successful. Yeah. You were pretty busy there for that. Yeah. Right. But, and that's the thing too. We have these conversations sometimes with people and they're like, why do you dedicate so much time to just stranger connection calls? I call them 15 minis, by the way. It's a coin term. And I'm like, well, people have everything we need in life. And so if I have an audience, a targeted audience that I'm speaking in front of, I know who they are. They're entrepreneurs. Well, I'm going to speak to them because one, I can help them. Two, I can connect them with people. They may be able to connect me with people and maybe they'll use my services. Mm. So, you know, it's just, it's in time well invested. So uh, where's the best place for people to uh, get in touch with you now with this transition or, or follow you? Is it the podcast the best place to go? Or? Best place is pretty well podcast. Yep. I'm okay. on Instagram, also on Facebook, but really I, I, I don't go on there very often. So the best place is Instagram messaging. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys, pretty, pretty well, well underscore podcast. Go check it out. This is a, this is a young lady that just sold her business. So let's celebrate her. Uh, Lisa Smith is, is on her way now down South to the nicer yeah. weather. So, oh, I'm just so happy for you. Congratulations that you, you did what you did. And again, thank you for your service. And thank you for appearing today on the show. Thanks. I really, pre- I love talking with you. Thank you. How tight while I wrap this up, folks. Thank you for joining us today on the What Are You Made Of show here live from that one studio. It's your boy, C-Rock. Make sure you go subscribe, like, tell your friends about the show. We're going to continue to bring you great guests, sharing the ingredients that have gone into making them who they are because the journey to success is invisible. And until next time, be that one. Every single day I feel it.